0: Hey guys it's Dr. Childs here. Today I want to talk to you about the carnivore diet and uh, specifically I want to talk about it in the setting of Hashimoto's thyroiditis and using it to treat that condition. We're also going to talk about kind of the basics of the diet, um, what it what it is and how it works. And as a quick disclaimer here, um, Before we jump in, I'm not necessarily endorsing this diet in any way. Uh, What I want you to take from this is just sort of a broad overview of and my understanding of this sort of diet. And the reason I'm touching on it, again, is not because I necessarily endorse it, uh, but because I think I see it becoming more and more popular over time. And I want to at least address it and talk about what what I think is happening, what I think might be going on, why certain people uh, may be receiving some benefit while using it, um, and then some other issues, from, some long-term safety issues and things like that. So let's let's dive in here. Um, I will talk about whether or not I think you should use it and kind of how that fits in um, a little bit later because I'm not 100% sure where this diet fits in quite yet. And most of the diets, in fact, all the diets up till now that I've discussed are things that I have personally done on myself as well as um, on other patients. And I will say this is not a diet that I've ever um, Prescribed to a patient before. Um, I will probably try it at some point in the future on myself, um, and if I do, I will write about my experience at that point. But um, I've not, I've not done this diet or prescribed it to anyone, so I want you to be aware of that. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about this diet and um, just the basics, so you have an idea, um, a foundation to build upon here. So. The carnivore diet's a little bit of a, I would say, a, well, I wouldn't say it's a newer diet because it's been around for a while, but it's become more mainstream and popularized uh, recently here due to some um, some celebrities, I guess you would call them, talking about it. And what this diet is, um, it's basically I mean, an all-meat diet, but that's not exactly um, the best definition because it does include some eggs and it does include some dairy, uh, depending on the variation that you use. But essentially it is. Um, all-meat-based products. So primarily that includes things like beefs, steaks, roasts, organ meats, eggs, dairy, um, some dairy which includes butter, heavy whipping cream, and hard cheeses. And then the drinks and um, the, the, the drinks that you would consume include water, coffee, tea, and bone broth. So you might look at that list and think, well, that's pretty intense. And I would tend to agree with you at first glance. But remember, there are some diets that we've already discussed as well um, on my blog and um, through these Uh, podcasts and videos that are very restrictive as well. And so diets such as the autoimmune paleo diet come to mind in terms of its restrictive qualities. And those diets do have some benefit. And so when you look at this and you might think to yourself, well, this seems a little bit crazy to do. Those diets in the past that I've just mentioned also might seem and fit into that same category. So whenever I hear something um, and my instinct is to you know, push away or automatically dismiss it. I always want to try and take a step back and try to dig into it to better understand what's going on here. So that's the gist of it. Um, Now, the question is, does it help Hashimoto's? Now, I will say the only evidence that we have to support that it does help Hashimoto's would be um, under the category of anecdotal evidence. And what that means um, for you, if, if you're not familiar with that term, it just means that it's somebody's opinion so it's like somebody um, you know that you know or a friend of a friend or something like that has said hey I've tried it and it worked for me and so it's really just sort of uh, th- that's the definition of anecdotal and so before we really want to dive into and rec- make you know sweeping recommendations for any sort of therapy we always want to see some sort of scientific evidence backing its use and so that would mean that would mean something like um, if you ever hear somebody say in the scientific literature or clinical studies these are research studies that You know, take the diet and they break it apart and they they look for certain things and they they test it and then they say, yes, it either was effective or it wasn't or or it did this and that. Now, what's important though here is that before something is tested clinically, it must sort of be at least have an interest um, or have attention surrounding it. Anecdotally, and so a lot of the times, what you'll see is somebody somebody starts out with an idea, then they do it to themselves and a couple of close friends, and then they say, "Wow, this really works." And then, as that builds momentum, then there's suddenly interest to do the studies studies after that. So, just because there are no studies right now, does not mean that it's ineffective. Okay, so we sort of have to put this all into context, um, and so if it is effective there are some questions that we really want to we really want to ask here and so first is this diet worth exploring if you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis second if it is working how does it work third if it is effective what can we learn from this diet Meaning, are there anything? Is there any information that we can take and that you can apply to your diet right now, or that you can adjust your diet um, so you can take bits and pieces of it and add to your your understanding of how diet impacts your disease? And fourth, is this type of diet safe? So we'll be talking and exploring sort of all of these things. So the first thing you might ask is, how does it work? Like, how can we think about this diet for those people who are claiming? I would say there's more than just a couple people. There's there's several people. I, I say they have a you know, a, a small voice, but it's it's a loud voice in terms of its um, in terms of what they're saying. And so, how can we even theoretically understand this diet? Why why do we why is it that this diet may actually have some benefit to these people? And I think it has to do um, with how certain diets impact gastrointestinal function or how they impact the gut. And so we know, and hopefully you know by this point, that your intestinal tract plays a very important role in helping to regulate and control your immune system. And what I mean by that is there are certain um, intestinal issues, um, including disruption in your gut microbiome, um, that can impact and set the stage for the development of autoimmune disease and also perpetuate um, existing autoimmune diseases. And so a lot of the treatments that we have and that I recommend and that others recommend uh, to treat autoimmune disease actually starts with intestinal function. And so I think that's probably where this diet may have some benefit because as you think about it, uh, if you're basically consuming mostly just meat products, we won't say all but, but mostly you're really doing a, a pretty dramatic t- elimination type of diet. And so I've looked into it and I found that the this diet would basically fit all of these categories so it would be low fodmaps, be low oxalate, low lectin, low sulfite, low carbohydrate, low salicylate, low phytate, and then low or essentially no fiber. So in a way, you might be um what let's call it resting your intestinal tract and mimicking the fasted state. And we know that not putting any food into your body can be beneficial in certain 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 um certain ways, right? You don't just want to not eat forever because that's not a long-term solution. Um, however, intermittent fasting and some episodes of prolonged fasting can give gut rest or can give your bowels a rest, which can allow your body to repopulate the right types of gut bacteria. So it may be that one of the ways that this diet is working is that it's allowing this sort of rest and it's eliminating a lot of these potentially inflammatory foods, um, which can be influencing your gut microbiome. So that's one plausible explanation. And we already know that this sort of thing works because uh, we know that the, there are many studies which show that the elimination diet can have profound effects on the body, especially in the setting of Hashimoto's. In fact, I would say one of, I, I personally think one of the most effective diets for patients who have Hashimoto's thyroiditis is an elimination diet. Um, now, the, the, obviously, the elimination diet is different than this, but you can kind of see where they have some similarities there. And if we extend it a, a, a step further, you can also see, again, that the AIP diet is also a type of elimination diet. So is strict paleo and so is gluten-free diet and so on. Because really what you're doing is you're eliminating these types of foods which have a high propensity of causing and promoting inflammation and gut disruption. So that's one way. And I would guess I, if I had put, you know, if I was a betting man, I'd put some money on it. I would say this is probably how it's, it's affecting, you know, positively affecting those people who are using it. But the question is, even if it is effective, what sort of Safety issues? Can you, would you run into if you use this long term? And that's where I think clinical studies really can be helpful in this situation, because even if there is some short term benefit to using this sort of diet, what is the, what's the safety look like long term? And we don't have a lot of, well, we don't have any studies on that, but we also don't have any studies on a lot of other other therapies that people will recommend relating to autoimmune disease, especially Hashimoto's. So they might say, hey, this works. You know, and then really it does work. You know, it could be any therapy. This could be diet or it could be supplements or it could be exercise or it could be fasting or whatever. And these therapies may have some efficacy, but the problem is you may take that, take the fact that they work and then, you know, over overdo it or do too much of it or um, increase the dose beyond that which would be effective. And you can end up causing damage to your body inadvertently. And I actually see that happen quite a bit, especially in the thyroid world. I would say, especially with iodine the use of iodine in in high doses and especially with diet, primarily calorie restriction and fasting, but also with other certain types of diets. So you really, really want to be careful before you do anything to make sure that it's healthy for your body. And unfortunately, again, we don't have a lot of information that suggests it's safe one way or the other. I would say one of the things that's particularly concerning to me would be the idea of a diet which is high in saturated fat. And so there's a lot of there's conflicting evidence on the matter. You could go one of one of both ways, I think. You you could go and say saturated fat is harmful, you know, definitively, and you could also go and say saturated fat is not harmful. Now the truth is that's probably somewhere in between, right? There's some people that can take a high amount of saturated fat, there's some people who probably shouldn't have a lot of saturated fat. But where do you fit into this mix and how do you figure out, you know, where your body is? That's the difficult part. So I do think one thing of concern is the potential for damage from the high saturated fat inside the diet. We'll talk about another one related to meat products in just a second here. Um, The second thing would be potentially um, becoming nutrient deficient with certain vitamins and minerals that the diet would not be high in. And so those nutrients would include things like vitamin C, vitamin D, iodine, magnesium, and then potentially others. Now, I don't think that's as big of a deal, uh, but it is something worth considering. You can always just take a multivitamin as you do it and you would replace these levels. So that's something that you could do. But obviously it's better and well i would say it's best if you can to to get those sort of nutrients from your diet if at all possible and also if you did it correctly such as eating organ meats um, as part of this carnivore diet i suppose that that would be one way to get a lot of these nutrients that might be missing otherwise so I, i think that one again is probably not a big deal but the saturated fat might be might be an even bigger deal then the other thing i was going to mention regarding its safety would be the potential connection between uh, meat and um, this, let's call it uh, product, which is called new 5GC. And so new new 5GC antibodies, I have, an, I have another uh, blog article on this topic if you're just hearing about this for the first time. But essentially, there's a product found within animal products, which is new 5GC, and many patients who have, I would say actually the majority, like 95 plus percent of patients who have thyroid antibodies also have new 5GC antibodies. So this has raised the question as to whether there's a connection between animal products and the development of autoimmune disease. This is a very complicated topic, and so I'm not going to really get into it now because we could talk about it in depth as its own um, topic, but there seems to be some connection here. So let's say, let's, let's assume the worst and say that there was a potential Um, issue in consuming certain animal products in those people who have Hashimoto's. Now, it's probably not the truth for everybody, but it could be for some people. I think probably even though you're consuming massive amounts of meat, the other benefits to your gut function probably um, would overpower any negative harm that would come from the development of potentially five new GC antibodies. So I don't think this is something that you necessarily have to consider if you're looking into this diet, but I do at least want to mention it. Then the last question is... After hearing about this and thinking about it, is this something that you should do? So my general advice regarding this question would be, I don't think it's a good idea to do if you're somebody who hasn't tried all of the other diets which are available to those with Hashimoto's. And I think a safer approach would be to do something like try the elimination diet first before you get into these specialty diets. And specialty diets I would I would define as things like um, the autoimmune paleo diet some, you know, low FODMAPs diet, uh, strict paleo, things like that. So I think that it's probably safer to do those types of diets. And, and by the way, the, uh, before, you, before you even do those, you can even just try doing things like going gluten-free, going soy-free, going dairy-free. So those would be even easier options on the spectrum that I'm describing here. Whereas I would put the carnivore diet on the, you know, the far sort of extreme end of that spectrum. Now, it may be that some people listening to this who have already tried all those things and who have had no success might find some success with a carnivore diet. I don't know that for sure. And again, I don't have enough information to suggest it one way or the other. Again, we're just sort of exploring this idea here. Uh, but I do think it might have some value in those types of situations. And so what I'd like to do um, is try it, again, try it on some of the people that I know, my, my family members and things like that. They've always been my guinea pigs, so I always try on them and also on my own self as well and sort of see what type of uh, response that I'm seeing there. But I wouldn't say you want to, if especially if you're just hearing this for the first time, jump into this diet. I'm not sure that that would be the safest thing, especially since I think there are other more proven, more tested diets that are available to you right now. Um, And that's pretty much it for this diet. So, again, this is a broad overview. If you want to look at any of the studies I have um, listed in this article, you can go directly to the article itself where you can look at them all here. So, these are the 12 resources that you could go to. Um, I'm especially interested in those people who are considering this sort of diet, um, you know, strongly, and then also those people who have utilize this diet before especially in the setting of Hashimoto's and how you reacted to it so if you fit into either of those categories um, or if you just have a question feel free to leave them below but what I'd like to do is again garner as much information as I possibly can on this on this type of diet um, hear your hear your stories hear your responses um, and kind of go from there so again if you have any questions leave them below um, otherwise I'll see you guys in the next one